1: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, This is our day after signing day, signing day recap show. Uh, I am uh, with Jerry Hamilton, uh, On3, college football recruiting analyst and uh, uh, recruiting analyst uh, for InsideTexas.com. Jerry and I both uh, spent a lot of time yesterday on air. Uh, It's time for us to do our our recap show uh, where we're going to go over some rankings uh, as well as talk about some things that are still going on as the Longhorns approach uh, the last couple of days of recruiting for this uh, signing day process, and then look forward into January. Jerry, welcome. Welcome to the show, bud. Thanks, Bobby. I grabbed three hours of sleep. Let's roll. (laughs) Hey, first of all, I want to appreciate, I want to say I appreciate you coming on so often yesterday and being uh, so willing to give of your time. I know it was a busy day. Uh, At the same time, Uh, it it is, uh, I feel like on, on national signing day, it's like, we're the, we're the accountants on tax day, right? right? (laughs) Uh, you know, everything is blowing and going and we've got to make ourselves available. So I really appreciate that. And And I think the fans do too.
2: Well, and I was going to say for the fans, all the subscribers, the inside Texas subscribers, uh, to, to this channel. I mean, they deserve to hear from us. It's the biggest day recruiting day of the year. And, uh, you're going to get 110% from us and, uh, c- come talk to us and call me out on inside Texas. We'll have fun with it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Let's get down to it. Um, Texas finishes uh, Wednesday night with 26 signatures that we're, that we know of. We'll explain a little bit of that later. One hard commitment still, and one transfer with, uh, Quinn Ewers. Um, that the class as that uh, ranks fifth in the on three team rankings behind A&M at one, the Aggies had a fantastic class. Uh, Bama two, Georgia three, Ohio State four, Texas five. That's pretty high cotton for Texas uh, right now.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's high cotton. I mean, look, I mean, I kind of went back through recruiting rankings and I didn't have time because we're so busy. I might do it this weekend. How many teams that went five and seven have signed a top five class? I found one in the first last five, six years. I mean, it, you have to really dig to find a, fi- a team that went five and seven, especially in year one under a head coach that signed a top five class. So uh, kudos. I, we talked about it all day yesterday. Kudos to the Texas staff for staying on their targets. And then when opportunity presented itself with the crazy coaching carousel, they were ready to jump. And if they hadn't stayed on their top targets, they'd have been like, oh, man, what did we do? And that's why you stay on the top target. You never know what's going to happen in this business.
1: It's a a tremendous job by by the Texas staff. And we're going to go over a little bit of that uh, in a while because I think some individual recruiters deserve uh, accolades uh, as well as the head coach for staying the course. Um, Also want to mention this, the Big 12 recruiting rankings. Um, Texas finishes first, OU second. OU finishes 10th in the country with Brent Venables on a short staff. Short ride to the finish line, uh, and he lost some guys that Lincoln Riley uh, had uh, had gobbled up. Kind of whenever that when Lincoln left, uh, he he actually took some guys with him. But most of those guys, Jerry, were 2023s that Lincoln right. took with him. Yeah. Uh, so it it wasn't this huge drop for the Sooners, although it wasn't ideal either. Um, Oklahoma State finished third in the conference. Iowa State, a surprising fourth. West Virginia five, TCU signs only eleven kids on uh, on uh, Wednesday, uh, but finishes sixth. Baylor seven, uh, somewhat of a uh, surprisingly low class, even though the the um, uh, the Bears signed Armani Winfield over the Longhorns uh, late on Wednesday. Texas Tech eight, Kansas State nine. How many kids do you think signed with KU? Do you know they finished tenth?
2: Three more than Deion Sanders signed.
1: <laughs> He' <laughs> assigned just seven players on Wednesday, wow. very clear they're likely going to load up in the portal and or uh, try to find some guys late in the class. Uh, hey, when you' when you're in that situation, I don't actually blame them no. for trying to do something different.
2: Right? Yeah, I, I absolutely. And here's the thing. I, I think when they, when these teams are looking at the portal, TCU is about to go portal heavy. I think everybody's looking at the portal now. I'm focused on the portal after spring practice. That's when, to me, this year the portal is going to be madness, is after spring practice, who, who, who's, who didn't win that spot, who's not going to wait around to compete again for that spot in August, and who's going to jump and get out. So I think the programs are sitting around waiting to see what happens after spring practice.
1: Steve Sarkeesian is his press conference yesterday afternoon said there's over 1,000 kids in the portal right now. Wow. Um, and only 300 have found homes. Yep um so you know once a player puts his name in the portal that university is no longer incumbent to keep him for the next semester um and so not saying that that uh, good bad or, or indifferent it's just that uh players put their name in the portal they got to realize there's not an easy out for them um, uh,
2: i i think the biggest thing these kids are going to learn and the parents uh, uh, as well you better have a plan when you jump in the portal if you don't have a plan I don't know what you're doing going in there because right now you got your college paid for. You better have a plan when you jump in the portal. If you don't, that's very risky business.
1: Right. Um, It it is, it it very much is. So Um, I'm looking at at this, uh, the recruiting rankings one more time, A&M one, Bama two, Georgia three, Ohio state four, Texas five. Uh, You mentioned other top five classes, uh, that sign that signed uh, uh, had five and second five and seven records, uh, and how rare it is, um, you know. And you also talked about the the coaches sticking on those players. Who are some of the Texas coaches uh, that you thought did a great job in this recruiting cycle?
2: I think early in the cycle, you got to give credit to Bo Davis, right? I mean, we talked about yesterday. You go to Louise it, it, he wasn't the primary on tap, but I think it was a co-primary on tap, right? He's not his position coach, but he's the one that got him in the door. Uh, Going to south of Memphis for Aaron Bright, going to Hewitt-Trustville for Finkley. Again, not the primary, but Bo had all the connections to navigate the recruitment, which is just as important as having primary tag next to you. So going into Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama and getting top 300 in the country level prospects on the defensive line is not an easy task. So, Bo Davis earned his paycheck in recruiting this year. And, look, North Shore hasn't been great to Texas in recent years. Uh, So, getting Chris Ross out of there uh, and holding on to Ross with Ole Miss, Randall Joyner, TCU, Zarnell Fitch, Oklahoma, they all tried to make runs at him. Uh, So, Bo was able to hold on there, uh, held on to Dre Bledsoe. He held on to all his guys. He helped uh, recruit the other guys like Tap and, and, and Finkley. So he gets a lot of credit early in the class. Then you move to late in the class and, you know, Kyle Flood and Terry Joseph have to be those guys, right? I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, right? Jeff Banks, and I don't want to leave out Banks because Banks had his hands in, in, in every recruitment, so to speak, just because he has so many relationships. So you don't want to not give somebody credit, deserves credit, but – I go back to this with Kyle Flood and I'm going to make the same point on Terry Joe. Can I,
1: can I say this real quick? Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like Banks is the head recruiter at before he's a, he's a key recruiter in a lot of things and makes and and, and moves the pieces together and, and yes. fills in where he needs to yes. um, and helps guys, etc. Uh, in front of Sark. And then Sark is the, the actual, you know, head coach. So it, it's interesting, the dynamic, uh, how they've been, how they work together this year. It's a little bit different than yeah. what a lot of people do in, in college coaching. So I, I was intrigued to see that. But go ahead on Flood uh, yeah. and uh, Terry Joseph. We've talked – I've hit on it a few times, but I think maybe the most
2: impressive thing other than Neto signing with Texas was uh, nobody knew what he was going to do, right, Is um, was last Wednesday when uh, Flood was scheduled to have an in-home with Neto. And Neto canceled that and took the one-day official visit, the Baylor. Um, at that point, as many other targets as were on the board, it would have been easy. And knowing that I knew Texas was going to be at Summer Creek all day, essentially Thursday, right? They had done an in-home with Cam Dewberry Wednesday night. So they were already in Houston, right? So what does Flood do? No, 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 no. That ain't going to work. We're recruiting the best players. He gets up to Allen, has the in-home Thursday. Uh, mid morning with Neto and then gets back to summer Creek that is recruiting through the whistle and that in-home might've made the difference because when, when Neto got cold feet at the end there, you know, those parents were on Texas side. So did that last in-home visit do the trick? Maybe. I think it certainly helped. If you don't make the in-home visit, it might've cost you the kid. Um, then you look at Terry Joseph with Terrence Brooks. I mean, Look, that was, a, that was a body blow for Texas at the time because they thought they were in a good position uh, working against Alabama, and then Ohio State came in late. I kind of went through how that happened yesterday. It was just really luck for Ohio State, but sometimes you need luck. Texas had luck with the coaching carousel, but so they made capitalized on an opportunity. Um, but T- Terry Joseph stuck with that recruitment, and that kid, uh, Terrence and his girlfriend, went to the Red River rivalry game. They've maintained contact throughout. And what happens is when you do that with a great player is then a defensive coordinator change happens at Ohio State. Then the question of Kerry Coombs' future at Ohio State happens. And you have to be in position to capitalize. You have to be the guy that Chet Brooks, Terrence Brooks, trust at that point in time. And so give Crow's got give Kyle Flood credit, give Terry Joseph credit. I think those are some of the things behind the scenes that go on in recruiting that probably aren't talked about enough.
1: Got it. Now, I, I agree with all of that. I think that um, it's always the relationships and the extra effort um, in recruiting that seems to be the winner. You know, it, it's it's always that little extra. All right. So let's recap now. Uh, from yesterday, just make sure everybody understands what happened. Uh defensive back, Xavion Bryce, uh 6'1, uh six, all right, excuse me, six one one seventy five 175 from Arlington Se- Seguin was originally committed to Oklahoma, long-term commitment to Oklahoma, instead flips his commitment at 7 a.m. or so to Texas. I watched Bryce on film, really like him.
2: He, hey, wait, he wait, reminds
1: well, I, me. I, I was gonna say, tell people who he reminds you of. He reminds me of an Oklahoma State safety. Is what he reminds right. me. of. He comes up and he fills. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I feel like that. It, he, that's what he reminds me. of. Very physical, very natural. Um, gets people to the ground very e- or confidently. You know what I mean? Right. Plays through traffic. I, I like him, I liked him as a player more than yeah. just as a as a prospect. Uh, then at around 8.30 on, on Wednesday, Ethan Burke, the defensive end out of Austin-Westlake, 6'7", 230 pounds, one of the nation's top lacrosse players. He decides he's going to go full-time football. Uh, changes his commitment to Texas after getting a scholarship offer Tuesday morning from the Longhorns. The Longhorns had kind of been on him for a while. Uh, they flip his commitment from Michigan to Texas. Uh, Burke immediately becomes one of the better pass rush prospects, because I don't think he's a player yet. He's doing really well this year, but he's not quite there. Still needs to gain some weight in the trunk to, to hold up in in, in a uh, at big time college football level. And then the, the coup de garage really yesterday from the flip perspective that you mentioned, Jerry is Terrence Brooks, where Terry Joseph, the cornerbacks coach for university of Texas really stayed on him uh, the whole time. Uh, Brooks, uh, a cornerback, uh, six foot, 185. Uh, five star on 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 three and uh, one of the real keys to this recruiting class.
0: And, and how, how did you
1: see? Go. How did you see right. the flips on on Wednesday? Did you? I mean, those are those are not bad. I mean, OU, Michigan, right. um, Ohio State. You know, those, those are, are national uh, school odds. Those are the flips you want. Those
2: are the flips you want at, at, for if you're Steve Sarkeesian and, and you're rebuilding this program. Um, you don't want the G5 to P5 flipped, right? I mean, you want the flip uh, from Michigan, who's in a college football playoff, who has evaluated that position about as well as anybody can, and Jim Harbaugh thought enough of Ethan Burke to come down to Austin to recruit him. That's a long way for Michigan to go, and Michigan's in on a lot of talented players. So that tells you how highly Jim Harbaugh thought of Ethan Burke. So um, Terrence Brooks, obviously, look, uh, Kerry Coombs, player development, you can't argue with it. So the fact that he, after he studied up on Terrence Brooks and wanted him, tells you how highly thought of Terrence Brooks is. Nick Saban wanted him. Uh, Mario Cristobal wanted him. I mean, everybody wanted Terrence Brooks. A&M tried to make a late run. They did an in-home the day before Ryan Day and, and Steve Sarkeesian did those in-homes, right? Everybody wanted Terrence Brooks. Um, that's Um, That was a huge flip. And Um, You know, Xavion Bryce is interesting to me. I think that was an easier flip for Texas just because Venables blew up the whole defensive staff and Venables went in and made an in home. Right. And, and, but when Xavion Bryce decided to take the official visit to Texas instead of Oklahoma that last weekend, I think that's pretty telling in our business. The question I think people always wonders where are the numbers at. Who are they going to take late? Who are they have room for? Who are they not going to have room for? But it's obvious they like Bryce a lot, and they and they got that flip. And I think all three of them, uh, like you said, Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio State, those are the flips you want, uh, and that's that late uh, recruiting momentum.
1: I do have one thing to say that's that's interesting here. Somebody had reported, and I don't know where I heard this, but somebody had reported, not on Inside Texas, but elsewhere, that Brooks was going to be 16 years old when he entered Texas as a midtermer next week. And he's not. He's, no. he's going to be 17. Uh, yeah. So I want to make sure people uh, know that. Uh, I don't know if it was on the Longhorn Network or, or somewhere like that. They may have just uh, misread something. But anyways, I want to be clear about that. Uh, also added to the list yesterday... Um, uh, Savion Red uh, running back athlete Uh, they listed him and I think this is important uh, young man out of uh, Grand Prairie they listed him in the um, uh, report as a receiver prospect Uh, so keep that in mind we had thought possibly running back I still think he may be a better running back prospect but what we shall see he committed to Texas around 2 o'clock yesterday had previously committed to SMU and then was entertaining other options for about a month after Sonny Dykes left. And then Malik Ogbo uh, was the last one to officially commit to Texas yesterday. Uh, The young man, uh, six foot four or six foot five, 320 plus pounds out of uh, the Seattle area. Those are the ads from yesterday. Do you have anything to, to, you want to say about those two as well, Jerry?
2: Yeah, I think Savion red, he's such an interesting prospect. I agree with you. And for the fans that like to go on huddle and uh, watch the videos, you know, some kids put up a highlight video. Some kids just put up their game videos, right? From from opponents. If you want to see Savion Red play receiver because he played mostly quarterback, go watch the South Grand Prairie clips. I think those clips, uh, which I've watched a couple times now, show why Texas could almost see him playing receiver. Is going to start him out his career at wide receiver because he does have that ability to stick his foot in the ground and push through the ground and create uh, energy and explosiveness and separation. And then he caught the ball with arms extended. And the one thing about that guy, if you play him in a slot type of role, is that's a big physical body. He can play through contact. So um, that, those are kind of my thoughts on Red. Ogbo, you know, I think he's got really good feet. Um, I think he's got a great frame. The whole key for him is how physical he's willing to be at the Power 5 level. He's going to have to take it up a couple of notches physically. Um, if he answers that bell, he has a chance to be a good player. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think he's physically uh, – I think he's uh, a great-looking prospect from the standpoint of athleticism, size, length. He's just, frankly, not very physical when he tries to block at this point. Doesn't yeah. mean he can't, you can't draw it out of him, but of all the offensive linemen he, they took, he's the one that probably has the furthest to go from a physicality standpoint. All right, I do want to go back because I neglected to mention this a minute ago. You and I have been – we text Quandre Diggs every so often, <laughs> uh, and I want to share. So two, two things. One, I sent—I had sent Quandre tape of B.J. Allen, the safety out of Alito, because that was my guy. I, I really think he's a terrific player. You, uh, One of us sent him yesterday tape on Terrence Brooks, and his response was hilarious to us. Exactly the kid I asked about two weeks ago. Yeah. So Quandre had been watching some film himself. That's how how into recruiting he gets. Uh, so it's uh, it's very funny and, and fun to go on. Um, all right. Moving on here. A couple other news and notes. Uh, Texas. We don't know for sure if Texas dropped him, processed him or just let him go. Andrew Drones, long term commitment, defensive end linebacker out of uh, Las Vegas, uh, went to Oregon on signing day. Uh, that's number one. Number two. We learned that Champ Lewis, the defensive back out of New Orleans, Easton, Warren Easton, uh, is a considered a blue shirt, blue shirt candidate for Texas, which means that he will join the Longhorns in January of 2023. Is that accurate? Is that how that works? Uh, uh, no, he could join the program this year, uh, but he
2: just could not be on the field, I guess, on game there or whatever. He could practice. Oh, okay, He could be a scholarship kid, but he doesn't have – I think that's the blue shirt rule. It's kind of difficult, to understand okay. but okay. I think that's the, the premise of it.
1: Got it. So we, we figured that out. So we learned that yesterday. And then also, and I want, to, I want to bring this up because this is actually something that goes into to, uh, a larger issue for Texas. We find out right around the time Steve Sarkeesian is having his press conference that Stan Drayton has moved on uh, from being the running back coach at Texas, realized a lifelong uh, dream and is now the head coach at Temple University. Uh, Temple had recently hired Arthur Johnson, uh, a longtime assistant AD at the University of Texas, to become their athletic director. Uh, so he tabs Stan Drayton as the next Temple coach. So a couple of questions. One, does that change the running back room immediately at Texas? You see anybody transferring out because of this? That's one. Two is what do you think um, about a possible replacement? I mean, what is not so much a name because it's really early for names. Right. But what do you think they need, Ben?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it uh, affects the running back room. Um, I, I really don't. And that's not a knock on Stan Drayton at all. Um, I, I just think, look, uh, offensive linemen coming in. I mean, <laughs> Quinn Ewer's coming in. Xavier Worthy. I mean, things are looking up. Off of Steve Sarkeesian's the play caller. Things are looking up offensively in Austin for the first time in a while. Uh, so I don't think you're going to see any kids leave because of that. But, um, Uh, I I think what's interesting is, so Stan Drayton was more of a, um, he wasn't really, we've talked about this, he wasn't a volume recruiter. And this is not a negative. This is just the kind of the way his job was. I mean, he had his targets and he went after those targets. I think Texas has an opportunity here uh to hire somebody at the running back coach position obviously it's qualified to coach the position because that is important you just don't throw somebody out there and tell them to go recruit because that gets you beat on Saturdays on third and seven when your running back can't pass protect. so it's important to coach the position but I think once uh coach Sarkeesian finds that guy you have a chance to add a volume recruiter to the staff and where does he want those ties to be is the question do you want somebody with ties to Louisiana do you want somebody with ties at DFW, Houston? Where do you see your weaknesses right now in recruiting on your staff? And I think that's going to tell the story which direction this goes. It might be, uh, it might be wanting to recruit more in the Southeast region because you're moving to the SEC. We'll see how it plays out. But I think all those things are in play after you find a guy that's qualified to coach the position.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old.
1: Here's what I think on this. And and tell me if you think I'm wrong. It's one thing to, it's not even so much about a volume recruiter anymore as it is an elite recruiter. Right. Um, Texas. I just mentioned Texas finished fifth in the country. That fifth in the country would be fourth in the sec. Right. Pretty good. Um, Texas has to beat Texas and where they're going. They have to beat the cream of the crop to win. So it's not going to be so much about finding the three stars and elevating them anymore. It's going to be signing the five stars, the high four stars that everybody already wants. Right. Good point. So so this idea of, I mean, it's night. I'm don't get me wrong. You want Jonathan Brooks who Stan Drayton and, and the Texas staff found before he kind of became what he became. Right. You want those guys. So I'm not, I'm not saying no, and you don't neglect them. Right. But you need, a guy, a recruiter that can go out and pound the pavement and recruit uh, not only running backs at the elite level, but other positions at elite and elite level as well. So I I would caution when we say volume, it's a certain type of volume.
2: Right. Exactly. And
1: and that's, that's the the key. All right. Uh, All right. Next, what are we waiting on to come? All right. Let me read you what I've got for this signing period alone, not, I'm not even talking about going into January and February. Right. But we are waiting currently for Kendrick Law from Captain Shreve. Yeah. Uh, how big is he, Jerry? 511 and a half, 185, 190, 1048,
2: uh, fully automatic time, 100. Uh, that was wind dated. So say 1065.
1: Okay. He is announcing. he's announcing or signing Friday. Yeah. Um, around 3 p.m. 3 p.m. at his high school, I believe. Yep. Um, and he is down to Texas, Alabama, LSU, and Florida State. That's correct. Okay. Uh, And I know you've talked to his father in the last couple of days and that's the timeline he gave you and everything, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the timeline he gave me. It's funny. I just got a text and I'll read a text. It's not from the father because they don't give away the news. It's just from somebody else that uh, uh, somebody that would know something. Texas thinks they have a good shot at law. Um, Bama thinks they still have a good shot at law. LSU feels like they're gaining
1: ground on law. (laughs) welcome hey welcome to recruiting welcome to recruiting in the sec i mean that well i mean the the thing that we need to keep in mind here though that i think is interesting is law wants to try to be a receiver first he prefers off
2: the side to starting out his career yep
1: yeah no offense but but uh uh nick saban took four receivers last year he took four receivers this year okay texas took i think three receivers last year uh and one receiver one and a half receivers this year right um and so an LSU uh, may
2: not have one
1: <laughs> yeah but, but the issue with LSU too is uh, you know is Brian Kelly's offense the style of offense a receiver really flourishes in that is a smaller type guy because he's had to chase Claypools. that's right and those in the equanimous St. Brown yeah that have performed well but those are those big bodied guys Three, on the six, NFL. Four, six fives, yes, yeah so guys. Yeah. you know you know there's some even though he's you know I guess what I'm saying here is there may be some logic working on Texas's side based on who Kendrick Law is as a player and what he excels at and, well, and, the, and other, the
2: other that. the other interesting thing is look I when I was up there and I knew Alabama's recruiting law but you didn't know at that point if Nick Saban was really all in, right? Because he makes those senior year evaluations uh, more than anybody probably, right? Because he can afford to. He, col- he holds the cards. Um, uh, so I thought Law was likely headed to LSU. The interesting thing with that would be, um, you know, Law's father is a former head coach up in North Louisiana, currently on the staff at Captain Shreve. <laughs> LSU doesn't have an offensive coordinator, a wide receivers coach, a defensive coordinator, a defensive backs coach right now that has been announced. So if you're making a decision Friday at three, unless you've been told by Brian Kelly who those guys are, and we're not announcing it until this date, you're putting a lot of, you're putting a lot of trust in, you know, if you don't have, if he can't tell you who those guys are, man, that makes that decision tough to me. I mean, I, you know, it didn't affect Jimbo not having a D coordinator, obviously at the end, but it's still, if you're a high school coach, that will cause you to back up a little bit. I mean, just think about what happened with Chet, Chet Brooks and Terrence Brooks with Ohio State, right? Wondering who the defensive backs coach was going to be. So it all plays into it. But I, that, the important thing is to know is Alabama still does want law. That's what this text told me. So Texas has a real battle on their hands. These aren't easy. These aren't easy to win. They're not supposed to be easy. If they're easy, that's not the guys you want.
1: Yep. Yeah. All right. Um Denver Harris is still set to sign tomorrow, announced on Sarah, Saturday. Our Eric Nalin of insighttexas.com reports that Texas feels that they're out of it for Denver Harris, basically. Yeah, and that, I, that,
2: I, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver hadn't already signed. He's just announcing uh, Saturday.
1: Okay, got it. All right. Um, also, waiting, and this is going to be one of those, this is going to be interesting to you and I, right, Jerry? Because we talked about this yesterday. Uh, two Californians are signing in this signing period right, but not announcing until an All-American game. I think it's – is that one January 6th or January
2: 8th, January 8th. 8th. Okay,
1: and those are uh, two guys, uh, Ernest Green, a big lineman from Bellflower, and then Larry Turner Gooden from uh, a safety uh, from uh, Mission Hills. Uh, Anything – and then you reported today, uh, I say Thursday, that Texas considers Larry Turner Gooden a take. At this point, because there was some question whether or not Texas had the numbers to do so, but the safety from uh, Southern California is a take for Texas. Um, any insight on either of those at this point or what people need to be knowing as we these are the last group of guys that we're waiting on this signing period?
2: Right. Yeah. You know, look, I put in a prediction for uh, Larry Turner Gooden uh, to Texas a couple of days ago. Also put in a prediction for Armani Winfield. He went to Baylor. So what happens. Right. We're not perfect. Um um, but I felt like Texas was the leader uh, for Larry Turner Gooden for a while, unless you, maybe USC made a late quiet run. I have not heard that's happened. Um, I believe Larry Turner Gooden has either already signed the school he's going to or will today, um, maybe by Friday. But I have a feeling it, that's probably already been done at this point. Uh, you have until technically Friday, 11, 59 p.m. Uh, to, to sign uh, our, uh, that letter of intent. Um so I, we'll see what happens there. Um, Ernest Green, you know, latest intel on that is, you know, it, it comes as a bit of a surprise because I think a lot of people had it pegged as Alabama, Georgia, maybe Ohio State. Uh, but the latest intel I've had is it's Georgia uh, and Texas battling out. Alabama's still swinging. Now, has he already signed and nobody knows yet? I would say that's entirely possible. Uh, he's going to announce January 8th. Nobody will give that away. Um, so both those guys have either already signed, they're signing today, or at the latest they're signing tomorrow, and then they announce January eighth uh, at the during the Adidas All America game, which will be on NBC.
1: Right. So you're, we're going to have no matter what we're waiting three weeks for them. Yes. I mean, basically, unless we get some intel through back channels or uh, Georgia starts doing the happy dance, and we don't we don't know why, but you know it, it, we'll figure that out, right? right. All right. Um, I will say this, Green is one of those guys having watched him. And I sent, I sent the film of all all of the uh, offensive line in Texas was looking at, uh, came back with uh, Ernest green uh, in that group was uh, I think either second or third and said, guy said he might be an immediate starter. Uh, And that's a former college coach. That's a buddy of mine that was asking about, you know, what Texas is looking at
2: Ernest green's dad played in the NFL actually played with Andre Coleman. By the way, in the NFL, there's a connection, I think, that helps uh, Texas in that a little bit. But look, his dad's a coach, former NFL player. The kid's going to be technically advanced. He's physically six four and a half, 335. He's got the physicality. He's got the feet. He's got the bend. He's played at the St. John Bosco pro- program against high-caliber competition. That's a national schedule. Uh, so those kids tend to be farther ahead than a small town kid coming out of some small town around the country. I mean, he's physically advanced, he's technically advanced, and he's mentally advanced from the competition he's played, and he's grown up in the family.
0: All right.
1: So now the, the other thing that we're waiting on between, between these guys that are announcing in uh, the next couple of days, right, Kendrick Law, Denver Harris, and then the possibility of the signing of Larry Turner and Ernest Green somewhere. There's the next category, which is the portal. Okay, Texas already capitalized in a big way with Quinn Ewers in the portal. Okay, There are guys in the portal already that we know of that Texas is interested in. You were one of the first people to mention this, and I'll go ahead and let you say his name, the the defensive back uh, from Ohio State.
2: Yeah, cornerback Ryan Watts uh, played at Little Elm High School, signed with Ohio State. I believe that was the 2019 class, played two seasons, up at Ohio State, played in the reserve role, maybe started a game, but had a couple of picks this year. Uh, 6'3", 200-pound kid, long arms, uh, really talented player. Um, uh, You know, I was told before he jumped in the portal that that was going to happen and that that Texas would begin that process as the favorite. Uh, And I think that's where the process is right now. Could something happen to change that? Always. Yeah, it's recruiting. It can happen. But I think Texas started from a position of strength. I think he's got a – uh, he used to be with that true buzz seven on seven group that uh, has Jamel Johnson twenty twenty three commit to Texas. Xavion Bryce was part of that. Xavion Red was part of that. So there's there's, you know, there's a natural there's a natural connection there to draw. doesn't mean it's happening, no, but there you know, there there are some data points there.
1: You said true buzz, that I think that may be a name because there's some kids also in that group, if I'm not mistaken, that are also in the twenty twenty three group. Jamal Johnson, one of them, but also some other big names as Anthony, well right
2: Anthony hill Anthony Hill linebacker from Denton Ryan, big time player. so yeah, and then some other young guys so they okay. they've got a, they've got a talented group of guys. there's so hey look, there's enough talent in DFW to go around the fill five seven on seven teams and they're all power five guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, gotcha. no I, I completely agree. Right? <laughs> uh, but but Texas will likely do more in the portal too. Oh, yeah. I know you said wait until after spring ball for for the portal and that it will heat up then. I bet there is some guys that, that duck in yeah. after the bowl games. No question. That Texas becomes immediately interested in. There might even be some in there right now that we're not talking about. Um, you know, just all depends on how everything shakes out.
2: Bobby, I think that's pretty obvious, by the way. If there is a impact player receiver that jumps in the portal, that I mean, that's really – if you can find somebody at wide receiver – that can play opposite Xavier Worthy and be an impact player and be a really good player. Then those are that's kind of the kind that Texas is going to be all in. The, the other position for me is linebacker. I mean, they, they that they will be looking uh, in the portal at linebacker.
1: I think safety too, and maybe tight end. Yeah, because I, I, you know, tight end too. Yes. Because they, they've got to have somebody that blocks better than Jared Wiley, even though Jared is a, is a decent uh, receiving threat. He's just not a physical guy, even though he looks physical. Right. Um, and so, and the younger guys are young. I mean, they literally are, all, all three of them are good prospects, in my opinion, uh, but they're not there yet. So, um, all right. So we, went, we talked about the portal. Now, what, is go, what are we looking at going in to January outside of the portal? Okay, so I've got a list here that I just want to run down. First of all, Devon Campbell, uh, the offensive lineman out of Arlington Bowie, put out a top two yesterday of Texas and Oklahoma. Um, You know, he says and he also put out uh, another tweet saying he's going to announce or sign somewhere on February 2nd. Okay, so that's a big one for the Longhorns. That's a five star prospect. Then you have another five star prospect in Harold Perkins. The linebacker, uh, star prospect, which Texas is calling, uh, uh, out of uh, Cy Park. Uh, Texas is thought to be in there, along with LSU and um, uh, Texas A&M in particular. Jacoby Matthews, uh, the safety uh, hybrid guy out of Ponchatoula. Texas is in there, along with LSU and Alabama. Uh, Could be Florida as well. And Omari Abor. This was interesting that I, I I heard about him. He is announcing at the January 2nd All-Star Game. So yeah, he, yeah. he actually will announce, but still can't sign until February. And then Caleb Douglas, a wide receiver out of Missouri City, uh, all of those guys. So that's what we're looking at for sure heading into January, plus any portal, plus anybody that we feel or anybody that the, the staff feels They might want to take a second run at like, you know, Jerry, you mentioned it this morning to me, they're running back out of Lake Charles.
2: Yep. Uh,
1: Travante citizen did not sign. He's thought to
2: be headed to Auburn, but he hasn't signed with Auburn. You
1: know, has done a
2: good job recruiting him, but until you sign you're in play.
1: Yeah. And so my, I think there are going to be three or four guys. It won't be many, right? It'll be a handful of guys that they look back and sit back and say, whoa, what happened here? And is there a way, do we have a connection? Is there a way that we can get in on that recruitment? And, you know, you know, shots on goal, Jerry. That's it. Um, and so it may amount to nothing, but shots on goal do matter. All right, um, Jerry, I, I, we've, we've talked through all of this uh, a lot in the last couple of days. Um, I want to leave you one main takeaway that you got from this recruiting class, and then I'm going to give you mine. Uh,
2: if you're moving to the SEC, you better have a lot of big bodies on the offensive line that can move their feet, and I think this is class addresses that. And, and I think these kids are going to have a year in the program uh, before they have to make that move, more than likely. So I, I like where that's headed. Defensive line class, I really like the interior group. Chris Ross, um, Aaron Bryant, Um, um, uh, names are escaping me now, but I really like the interior of the defensive line. I think Jamon Tapp has a lot of ability as an edge rusher, um, but we'll see if you go. Oh, Dre Bledsoe is the other interior guy. I mean, maybe the most talented. But I, I like what they've done on in the trenches in this class. Then you go to the secondary. I think the two keys, and then I'm going to let you roll, is, is Terrence Brooks, uh, B.J. Allen are early enrollees in the secondary. I think they're going to come in and compete right away for starting positions next year because they are early enrollees. And those, I, those guys being early enrollees is huge.
1: You know, I, I I agree with you on all of that. I think my one big takeaway is consistency. Yeah. Um, in the face of a six-game losing streak, mm-hmm. um, a brutal one, you know, worst in one of the worst in Texas football history, um, Steve Sarkeesian did not falter really he never started blaming the players he never really he never went off the reservation he just went to the podium was his self kept recruiting kept coaching now they didn't you know finish strong or anything like that from from a, a team perspective they did beat kansas state but he kept preaching the same thing they didn't take that step down in level of talent they did not take the easy way out on this recruiting class that they easily, and some would think that they should have so they didn't get left at the altar by everybody, right? Given their, their problems, his consistency and leadership through this class, they juggled a crap ton of balls at the end, right? That takes a certain type of mentality and, and ability to be able to do that. I, I, I give the head coach and his coaching staff an A, yeah. Um, based off of that alone, oh yeah, uh, because I just feel like they didn't move off, off their, off their position. And, uh, Any,
2: anytime you go five and seven and sign a top five class, you deserve an A in recruiting. Yeah. You yeah. deserve an A in recruiting. And look, we haven't talked about, I mean, Quinn, yours is the most important guy in this class too, though. Let, let's be real. I mean, we're talking about the high school guys, but the Texas program, Sarkeesian, and this is not a knock on the other quarterbacks, competition, right? They need somebody to step up and be a really good quarterback, bottom line. And now you have a very talented guy who was born to throw a football uh, coming in there. And so he's probably the most important recruit in this class if, yeah. we're, just, if we're getting down to it.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think that, that uh, Texas fans and would hope to agree with you. Uh, proof will be in the pudding. On all of these guys, not just Quinn Mears. Right. Every single one of them uh, are entering a level of competition they've never faced before. And it's always important to remember that because the guys who are made for this, they typically show early in their career that they're made for it. Now, there are some some uh, exceptions about that, but they will coaches can tell fairly early this is going to work. This isn't going to work. Uh, we need a, we've got a lot of work ahead of us even sometimes. So. Yeah,
2: right. yeah. and Bobby and one thing you've pointed out a lot and, and I agree with is I think Texas got more uh, one-on-one matchup winners with physicality in this class. And I think the program's been missing that for a while.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, it's, you know, I've been talking about that forever. It was, <laughs> you, you can only watch the defense get sliced and diced uh, so many times. Uh, before you think, you know what? Maybe they just aren't that good uh, beating their people one on one. And I feel like the 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 key to that is this innate physicality some of these guys have. They mm-hmm. play through contact. That's it. And you look at Alabama's roster. It's not so much that all of those guys are athletically uber gifted. It's not. They are. I mean, don't get me wrong. But every single one of them, just about, even the even the six foot, one hundred sixty five pound Devontae Smith plays through contact. Yes. Um, you know, Josh Moore, for example, did not play through contact.
2: Xavier Worthy plays through contact. Xavier
1: <laughs> Worthy, though, at one hundred and sixty pounds. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I mean, in that football, at it's very root. Even in this day and age of throwing the ball around the yard is a physical sport. Yes. Um, And, you know, I I feel like uh, Texas in its march to get all the prettiest players on campus, uh, some of the coaches and recruiting coordinators, and sometimes they forgot a little bit about that. Uh, And and I'm not calling out anybody in particular. It's just, you know, that the, the ability to be a physical football player is going to matter Uh, in the SEC for the University of Texas. All right, Jerry, thanks for your time. That was our signing day recap. We actually have some other things we're shooting later today as well and be up on YouTube. Uh, Please consider hitting the subscribe button on the bottom right. We appreciate everybody that's joined the channel in the last couple of months. Uh, It's been a a great ride for for us. Uh, Furthermore, uh, I can't speak enough about InsideTexas.com where Jerry and I uh, are every day, all day. Uh, We answer your questions give you up-to-the-minute updates, and uh, really try to make you in the know on Texas Longhorn football and football recruiting. Guys like Eric Nalim, Paul Wadlington, Justin Wells, Ian Boyd, Joe Cook. Uh, We are all there. Hudson Standish is is one of our newer uh, arrivals on, on staff. We are all there all day, every day to try to bring you the best news and notes. Uh, For those of you watching, uh, enjoy the state high school championship games this weekend.
2: Uh, And we should mention that. A lot of Texas guys in that. Chris Ross, Cameron Williams matching up against each other. Amari Abor in that game. Ethan Burke, Connor Robertson in in the other 6A game. So uh, a lot lot of future Longhorns and uh, targets in those games. And a lot of other talented players. Those two games. Now, Duncanville North Shore is going to be one. After the way that last state title ended, Bobby, that is going to be one physical trench war game. It's going to be fun to watch. And, by the way, I asked Kevin Dunn on radio 104.9 the other day for his uh, his opinion because I had mine. I think this is the best Westlake team I've seen,
1: period. Interesting. Interesting. Best, right.
2: best Westlake team, period. They got, a, they got a, definitely
1: got a good signal calling. All
2: right, man, be good.